Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and very timely for us to have back with us today uh, Brian Searcy. He's a retired U.S. Uh, Air Force colonel. Uh, where he has uh, had so much experience and decades of tested military training experience to solve uh, the need for relevant and effective principles of situational awareness. And uh, I am so glad for the work he does. By the way, he's the author of a book called Prepare for the Real World. And there is a picture of the uh, cover of his book there on the TV screen for those of you watching on the Dub TV network. And um, again, let's prepare for the real world. Colonel, good to see you again, friend. How are you? Hey, Perry. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. By the way, what's your website? Uh, it's www.paratus.group. All right. Paratus. All right. Uh, P-A-R-A-T-U-S dot group. Okay. And that's where you can yes, get, sir. check out the book. Well, I just want to say, Colonel, good to have you because I, I know that your heartbeat is to make people aware of their circumstances and situations. And um, you're, you're another example of something I say so often on the air. Whatever God saves you from brings you through. He turns you around makes you a minister too. And you're doing that. And I want to say thank you for doing that. But in today's world, um, with all that's going on with human trafficking, I'm wondering if we have our instincts on high alert. What's your take? Well, I, I think what it boils down to is people today, and it goes back to a comment that you just made on the last last segment. And if I could just go back to that real quick, you talked about how people, you know, pray and they pray for different things. And your point was people need to pray for God to use us to right. make a difference. And that is kind of one of the big areas that I see is, is missing today in our society. I was thinking earlier this morning about World War II when, um, you know, Pearl Harbor was attacked and we had millions of young men that decided that they needed to step up to defend our country. And that was back at a time where Everyday families had situational awareness. They were prepared, but more importantly, they were ready to take the responsibility for the safety of their family and the safety of their community. Today, all too often, people go through life with blinders on. They're just worried about what's happening to them, and they're not concerned about what's happening to everybody around them, what's happening in their community. And, and I liken what's going on with human trafficking to, to really be the same as that. We've got parents and and, and families that really have the blinders on, they think that it's not going to happen to them. They think they live in a safe neighborhood. Yet human trafficking, I think, when the new statistics come out, because what's happened in our southern border is going to be the number one threat to kids, young boys and girls under the age of 23. And what we see today is nonprofits that are out there trying to catch the bad guys. Um, you know, Deliver Fund does a great job with that. We've got uh, Tim Ballard with Operation Underground Rescue uh, Railroad and his movie that just came out that are trying to rescue the kids and then give the kids help. But nobody is talking about prevention. We talk about stopping human trafficking, but we don't talk about preventing it. And when we take and when when parents take the responsibility to educate themselves and their kids about the threat, but then even more than that, to pay attention to the indicators and not just check the box by going to a one hour class on what to look for. But no kidding make it part of their behavior to, to be able to identify those indicators and then do something about it. That's how we're going to make a change. So we've got to take the great work that's being done now, right of bang, I call that right of bang, 
and we need to focus on the left of bang and it can't be traditional training it's we've got to empower people to to not only be able to identify the indicators but then want to make a difference okay so let's let's get into this because um i think with the movie out now and other things, people are realizing, all right, this, this is a major deal. It, it, yes, there's the perpetrator, um, the one who does the kidnapping in the industry, the cartels and all of those. There are the children who are the victims, and then there's the customer. You got all that going on here. Right. But moreover, I heard a testimony yesterday on radio, and I actually had to stop. I, I, I was having a hard time processing it, but it was apparent who lost a child literally from the streets in front of their house. And they go to bed at night not knowing where that child is. And I think if we can understand that there are a lot of parents walk into an empty house, their kid has been kidnapped, have no idea where that child is and what's happened to it. Ought to be something that goes to your point, Colonel, and that is, all right, parents, if you have young kids, wake up become environmentally sensitive to where they are, what you're doing. So walk us through some guidelines here of what we can do. Right. So in actuality, and statistically speaking, kids being taken off of the playground or in, in front of your house is not the number one way that kids are brought into human trafficking today. It's done via the Internet. It's done via the Web. Um, it's when kids will get in their parents' car and drive to meet somebody or walk down the corner and meet somebody. There's over a half a million predators that are online every single day trying to groom and rule and, and, and bring in our kids into human trafficking. So for parents, it's got to be a, a twofold attack as part of their education process and, and their process to make sure that their kids become prepared. One of the things that I talk about on a regular basis is would you rather spend a little bit of time to prepare yourself and to prepare your kids or do you want to be in a situation like the example you just spoke about where the parents potentially now have regret? Now, there are some times where no matter how much work the parents put in, how well their kids are prepared, that things are bad are going to happen. But what we see a lot of times is that a lot of these things can be prevented. The FBI and the Secret Service talk about how 93% of these bad things can be prevented when we're educated about the threat, but more importantly, we were prepared about it. You know, we stranger danger and all of these types of things that have gone on. Those are just words unless behaviors are established. And that's where it's important for parents, like I said, to put the time in to be educated about the threats, be educated about the indicators, be educated about where their kids potentially could be potential targets. And that's potentially in the front yard. It's when they're walking down the street. But like I said, more importantly, it's on the, the apps that they're, they have on their phones and they need to educate their kids about the threat. See, parents today, I think, are afraid to tell their kids about what's going on in society today, what's going on in our communities. And unfortunately, like the title of my book, The World is Not a Safe Place. And parents need to put the time in to educate their kids, because if you don't educate them about the threats, then they don't know about the threats, then they can't prepare themselves against the threats and they can't keep themselves from being victims. OK, so let's go to the digital side of this. Um... What do you recommend parents do? Are there certain signs they should be looking for on their kids' phones and, and uh, devices? Well, that kind of goes back to what's going on in our society today is where we've got a whole host of folks out there that don't think that it's a, a, an unsafe world out there and they trust their kids 
So they think that they don't need to look and see what their kids are doing on their devices. And I've done presentation after presentation to parents when I ask them to raise their hands. How many of you look to see what your kids are, are doing on the devices? You know, you've obviously given them one. It's the way it is today. Um, but as I mentioned, there's a half a million predators online every single day going after our kids. And, and it's not just human trafficking. Um, one of the number one causes of death for, for kids under the age of 21 is suicide. And they're 14 times more likely to commit suicide if they're being bullied. So parents today don't check what their kids are looking at on their devices. They don't check the, the, the people that they're texting with. In my household, and what we talk about in our program is it goes back to what Ronald Reagan said. And a lot of parents, when I bring that up, don't know what I'm talking about. But it's trust, but, ver but verify. You know, let your kids look at certain things. Don't let them look at other things. Get on their phones. I have a, a bank president who took our program. Um, they started checking their kids' devices every Friday evening at nine o'clock. They would look at the what the content is on their apps. They would look at their apps to see if there's any hidden things in those apps. They would become educated on apps that are out there that the kids have on their phone that are, are a false Trojan. They're really doing something else on it. So they became educated about that. They looked at the text that their kids were getting. And more. And what then this then also allowed him to do was have a conversation with the, with their kids every time they did that. They weren't doing it because they didn't trust them necessarily. They were doing it to work together to keep their kids safe. So it became something that they worked on a regular basis. And like I said, it was an opportunity for them to educate their, their kids on the threats that were out there. And in this specific case, this bank president found out on a Friday afternoon that his son was being bullied via text, which then allowed himself and his wife to talk to their son, talk to the school, get the help that was needed and solve that problem. See, we can't keep our kids from being victims if we first don't take that action to make sure that we work with them to, so that they're educated, but then also empower them so that they can start taking responsibility for their own safety. And what we see today is so many kids when they get out of high school and college are not prepared. They have no idea the threats that are out there. They're very uh, unprepared. And that's how you become a victim when you have no idea what's going on in our communities. Um, in, in that, have you noticed any apps in particular that parents should be aware of? The scary thing is that they happen on all kinds of apps. There's a, a Bible app that the predators use. Um, they do it on a lot of the gaming systems. So if your kids are playing games on their phone or playing games on their computer, uh, especially games on the computer or the phone where they're having live with other people, these predators are experts. They will pretend to be the, the same age as the kids. They will have conversations for the kids. They're very, they are experts at bringing out when they have these conversations with the kids, what those kids are missing in their life. And then that's what they look to exploit. So if a young boy or girl has just had an argument with their parents and the predator finds out about that, they'll start to take advantage of that, deep, dive deep into that and work to get their trust. Um, so that is one of the big things that are going on. And that's why today parents have to have those conversations with their kids. You know, January is human trafficking awareness month, yet the threat gets worse every single day, every single month and every single year, because we don't do anything about the prevention piece. And it's because the parents are not involved. There's indicators that are out there. Parents ignore them all the time. Um, and it's not just when dealing with their kids and their phones. It's when 
when you're out at restaurants, we've I've had numerous people that have taken my program four or five times a year. We reintroduce the indicators to look for if somebody that you see in a restaurant or an airport is potentially being human trafficked. And we're talking about our program to figure out what you would do if you ever saw that. So don't just see it and ignore it or go, I wonder if that's a problem. Make the decision based on what you're capable of doing to take the next step. And this one couple recognized the indicators. I mean, they were right in front of them. It was not even a question that this young girl, something was going on. They followed the the man and the young girl out of the restaurant. They took a picture of the license plate, called 911, um, passed on the license plate number. It turns out that that car had been stolen. So they didn't directly, he saved that young girl, but they took the action to make a difference and to take action. And they then started uh, uh, the ability for the police to open up a case to look for that stolen vehicle to maybe rescue that young girl. So it's not just about you know, uh, human trafficking awareness month and knowing what the indicators are and they're forgetting them three or four months later, it's developing the habits and behaviors to not only see that, but then to know what you would do about it. And then to actually take the action. That's the empathy that we all have, have to have to start taking responsibility for the safety of our families. But like I said, in my earlier comments, then you also are empowered and prepared to take responsibility for the safety of our communities and for others. All right, one other quick question, Colonel, before I take a break, and that is, at the end of the day, these predators that are using the digital world to connect with young people, the end game is to meet with them, isn't it? Yes, that is the end game. And like I said, there are, are hundreds of stories of 12 or 13-year-olds that have taken their parents' keys and have driven 100, 200 miles to meet with the person that they they have come in contact with online, or they make an arrangement to meet them at the corner, uh, you know, three blocks from their house. The predator comes up, they get in the car, the predator now has them. So these are the things that, that these predators are doing. They use sex rotation as a, as a major tool. Um, they use the ability then to blackmail the kids, tell them they're going to tell their parents. And our kids are very, very susceptible to that especially when the parents have not had conversations with the kids, have not let them know that this is what they're, they're going to be doing without having the conversation with their kids is, I want you to tell me if anything like this happens. I'm not going to be angry with you. We need to have a, a frank conversation. But parents today, like I said, they've got the blinders on. They don't want to recognize that the threats are there. They don't want to have these difficult conversations with their kids. They don't want to you know, look at the devices on their kids. Um, they want to be friends with their kids instead of being parents to their kids. Yeah. All right. Let me take a quick break. Check out uh, the Colonel's book, uh, Prepared for the Re Prepare for the Real World. And uh, you can go to his website, P-A-R-A-T-U-S dot group. That's his website. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, and a delight to have back with us uh, Brian Searcy. He is a retired U.S. Air Force colonel, 
And uh, his book is called uh, Prepare for the Real World. It deals with uh, situational awareness and um, all of his years as training in the military now is being used in a great way. So especially today, parents, are you aware of what your kids are doing online? And this has a lot to do with not only with human trafficking, but drugs and everything else that's going on out there. And to your point, Colonel, I think parents now, in fact, you know, I, I saw um, another ministry encouraging parents to sit down with their kids before they go to college and have a very frank conversation with them about drugs. And I think to your point, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have to have these conversations with our kids. Today we do. And this whole human trafficking thing has just got us on tilt. It's serious stuff. And uh, I would hope that parents would sit down and have those frank conversations. Uh, by the way, I see here where you did a little bit of an experiment at a gas station. What did you do there? What was that all about? So I do a lot of experiments when I'm out at the grocery store or at gas stations or those types of things. And um, I go and I get gas, uh, you know, on a regular basis. And this partly started um, because for the first time in probably two years on a Saturday, my wife was actually with me when I went to the gas station to put gas in my truck. We were actually going somewhere. Um, I usually do it before the weekend, so we don't have to deal with that. And I usually put gas in her vehicle during the week. So it's just something that I take care of. Um, so I have a process I follow anytime I put you know, fuel in my truck or, or into her car. And I drive up. And first thing I do before I even get out of, the, out of my truck is I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. I'm, I'm pro practicing the process that, that I teach in our program. And I'm looking to see if there's anything there that sets off the hair on the back of my neck or gives me that gut feeling. I get out of the, the truck that day and um, nothing was setting it off. I leave my truck door open so I can quickly get in and, and lock myself in the vehicle if I need to. I start the process and then I'm paying attention the entire time I'm putting fuel into my truck. And on this, this Saturday, there's a car in front of me with a man who's in his 40s who's got two kids in the back seat. And he gets out, doesn't pay attention, puts the nozzle in his car, gets back in the in the car and is on his phone while he's fueling his vehicle with the kids in the back seat. And I turned to my wife and I said, so what is the process you put, you know, follow anytime you put gas in the car? And and she said, well, I pretty much do the same thing you did because that's what you taught me. And she's turned it into a habit and a behavior. And then I said, so do you see this guy in front of me? And she looked at, looked and said, yeah. And, and she said, you know, he can hear you, right? I said, yes, I, I know he can hear me. And um, I said, what are the two things that are wrong with this? And, and uh, she said, well, he is not prepared. He, if anybody were to come up, anybody could do anything to him if, if necessary and to those kids. He's not in a position where he could keep those kids from potentially being a victim. And I said, yes, that's the first thing that's wrong. The second thing is wrong is the behavior that he is teaching those kids. That when you go to the gas station and you put gas in your car, you don't need to pay attention. It's a safe place. Um, I don't need to worry about that. And I certainly don't need to worry about you in the back seat. Um, he don't think he liked those comments, but I was trying to use that as a as a a teaching opportunity. So about a month later, I went to the same gas station. It was a very busy day. I did my process and I looked at everybody else that was getting gas um, at that time, and I was the only one paying attention to what was going on. There were about ten people getting gas at that time. Five of those people were actually back in their vehicle, just like that, that gentleman was that was in front of my wife and I, and the other people were on their phone. They were not paying attention. And 
people that are not paying attention, that are not prepared, those are the people that are much more likely to be a victim. Um, that's number one. And number two, what I talk about in our program is that when you have empathy, when you are prepared, when you thought about and you care about what's going on with other people and you're paying attention to what's going on around you, you can then also look at and help look out to make sure that they don't become victims. Because that's what now I'm I'm really forced to do at the gas station and everywhere that I go, because nobody pays attention today. I am doing everything I can to make sure that they don't become a victim. Now, by default, if I'm making sure they're not becoming a victim, I'm making sure myself and my family is safe. But I have thought through all the different things I would do if somebody that was getting gas next to me, like the person that was in front of me, if somebody was coming up to them, was going to potentially turn them into a victim, what would I do? And in our program, what we talk about is everybody needs to figure out what they would do. I'm fairly well trained. I've thought about actions that I would take to interdict or intervene. My wife, on the other hand, who's five foot two and under 120 pounds, she would not do what I would do, but she has thought through the action she would take. She would scream, get on her phone, get other people involved. Um, so it's all about paying attention, but you have to be prepared. You have to have your 10 critical skills. You have to have empathy so that you are ready and prepared to help out others. I'm assuming you talk about all that in the book. So the book is an introduction to what we have in our Be Aware, Stay Safe uh, community program. Okay. What we have at the Prodis Group is a community on Facebook where people join. They, when they join, they are also enrolled in our 90-day uh, online micro e-learning program. That's what, and that's what really makes our program different. It takes 90 days to establish new behaviors. So we need to provide people the opportunity through the process that we teach to develop the habits and behaviors so that they can become prepared to keep themselves safe, their family safe, and again, their community safe. And then this goes on for an entire year. And in the community, we're continually updating them about the threats that we face in our community. We have live events monthly um, so that they have an opportunity to get on and hear from other people. And that's one of the most powerful things in our program is that other moms, other kids that are out there that, are, that are, have, have taken our program, that have learned and developed the ability to be prepared to prevent bad things from happening, to protect themselves and their family, they share with other people the things that they've seen, the things that they've done. You know, it's kind of similar to what you might see on the app next door. People talk about, you know, the different things that they're seeing out there. We take that, but it's on steroids because they not only get that information, they hear from other people what they would do, but they establish those habits and behaviors. They practice a process so that they are prepared. And that is how you keep yourself safe, your family safe. And then you, that's how you can help keep your community safe. So, Colonel, I know you talk, in fact, you mentioned it, uh, the gut feeling. You just sense something is wrong. Um, what would you tell us about the gut feeling? And at what point should we stick our nose in somebody else's business? Okay, so the gut feeling, the hair on the back of the neck, that's a God-given gift that we all have. The problem today, unfortunately, is most people really have no idea what it is. I know when I was young, my parents instilled in me that, you know, you've got that fight or flight. That's, that's what it is. But see, having a gut feeling or that hair on the back of the neck doesn't work if you don't know what normal is. So that's why it's important to develop this critical skill and, and the 10, skill, 10 critical skills that go along with it the 10 critical personal skills so that you can practice a process. And when you practice that process, that's when you learn what normal is. 
those things that you go through in your everyday life and you're perceptive and you're paying attention. Then when something enters your environment that isn't normal and you get that hair in the back of the neck or you get that gut feeling, that's when you have to take it seriously. I have so many stories of people that got a hair on the back of the neck or the gut feeling, and some of them didn't know what it was. So there's, you know, the number one problem. Um, but then people understood that it was it was an indicator that something wasn't right, but they ignored it because they just took a quick look around and didn't see anything instead of going through a process and, and using the 10 critical skills to be perceptive, to analyze it, to do critical thinking. Personally, myself, if I ever get that hair on the back of the neck or that gut feeling, I'm going to trust it. And I have actually taken my family and we have left restaurants. We have left parks because I get that and I can't figure out what is causing it. And the last thing I want is to have a regret that I didn't trust that in myself or, or my family or somebody else that I saw somewhere became a victim because I did not trust that. Um, so that is why it is so important to you know know what it is, but then to trust it. And then you ask, well, then what should people do if they ever get it? And that's why it's important to have a process, um, the process that we teach at the Produce Group. And that the first steps of that are identify, assess, and predict. So like I said, I came into the gas station, pulled up. The first thing I did was identify, is there anything that concerns me that sets off that hair on the back of my neck, gives me that gut feeling that isn't normal? Then the next step is I assess. So uh, if I walk into the same coffee shop I've been into over 250 times, I'm going to assess, can I sit so my back's not to the door? Um, do the bathrooms lock or unlock? Where are the exits? Is there added security here? Because I know the actions that I would take. I also look to see if anything bad happens here. Is there anybody that I can count on to potentially help me you know, to deal with whatever that situation is? And then the third step that you practice every single time you go somewhere is you predict. You think about, okay, if an active shooter comes in today, what would I do? If two people get into an argument, what would I do? If I see somebody potentially being human trafficked, what would I do? Um, one of the key things that we teach in our program is how you make sure you don't escalate a situation until you need to escalate a situation. I go back to the movie Roadhouse. It's one of my favorite movies with Patrick Swayze. I talk about there's three rules of Roadhouse that he talks about it in, in the movie. The first one is never underestimate your opponent. The second one is never start anything in, in the bar or the restaurant. Well, the third thing is, is just be nice until it's time not to be nice. But if you're not prepared you and you haven't learned how to not escalate situations and how to de-escalate situations, you are unable to do that. So all of this has to be tied together. That's why you can't just take a one-hour class on situation awareness and being prepared and now, poof, I can go into any situation and be able to deal with it. It takes some work, it takes practice, and it takes the learning and development of the habits and behaviors. So it's something that you do on a regular basis. And everybody that has taken our program, every, almost everybody that, that provides us feedback, and there are thousands of people that have done that, talk about how after 90 or 100 days, it's something that they just automatically do. They, they, they learn how to identify what normal is. They learn then um, how to assess what is going on. They learn how to use their 10 critical skills. And because hundreds of times they've thought about what would I do in a certain situation, they're now empowered to do that. Because a key thing here, Perry, is that you never rise to an occasion. You will only fall to your level of preparation. So if you haven't thought through and learned how to use a tourniquet to stop a critical bleed and, and actually have a tourniquet available, you will not be able to use one if something if something bad happens. If you haven't thought about how to de-escalate a situation, if you haven't thought about how to communicate with 911 if something bad happens, 
Um, if you talk to 911 dispatchers, people, when they call him, call them, usually are not able to describe the situation because they're panicked, they're scared, they haven't thought about it, they can't remember addresses, and like I said, they can't describe the situation. So it, it takes preparation to be able to do all of these things, and that preparation takes work. And that's, I think, one of the things that are out there today is people don't want to put just a little bit of time in to become prepared. This is all such good stuff and so, so, so um, needed today. You know, I, I guess one of the sad commentaries here, Colonel, is that our culture has become this. We have to do this. This isn't something that we should think about. We should be ready for this. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out his book, Prepared. Prepare for the Real World, uh, and also the website, which is paratusgroup.group. Uh, there you can uh, find more about his courses and his offerings and what he's doing there. Paratusgroup.group uh, as well. Colonel, thank you. Um, you know, I, I, you say something here that I've often told people, too. If you have a feeling, don't have any regrets. <laughs> I never exactly. took it, but I've never taken it to the level you've taken it to. Uh, I think there's been times in my life where I've sensed that, didn't know what it was. Uh, but to your point, we have that gut feeling, don't have any regrets. So good stuff. Thank you, Colonel. God bless you, pal. Keep Harry, thanks for work. having me on. God bless. You see. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.